Hello and welcome to the Powerful Personal Brand Podcast, where I and my guests share tips to help and inspire you to build a great personal brand to increase your visibility and authority. I am your host, Claire Bond, and on today's episode, I am joined by Brandy Sheffield. Brandy has led teams of 100 plus people using and teaching executive presence to influence and impact people and organizations. As a senior executive director, Brandy has built a legacy of leaders by coaching executive colleagues and lower management to transform their leadership. She is the CEO of Learning Associates and designer and the designer and founder of Career Acceleration Incubator Program, The Outlier. Brandy equips highly skilled career women to move up faster or move on by developing their executive presence and attracting the right career opportunities instead of chasing them. Brandy, thank you so much for being here today. Hi, Claire. Thank you so much for having me. It is my honor. Yeah. So how, how did you get started in executive coaching? Um, you want the long story or the short story? <laughs> Uh, let's go with the best story. Okay. <laughs> um, I've been a, uh, a leader in my industry for well over 20 plus years. And just by happenstance, I started coaching some of my own colleagues who weren't moving up uh, in the profession. And so that was kind of like the first intro into it. And then seeing their success, uh, I was recruited to then start coaching lower level uh, individuals as well as build out a program within my organization for leadership development. Uh, I then moved on actually to another company. And the ironic thing was once I moved on, I knew that it was going to be my last employer. And I walked in day one with that mindset. And I actually lived in the world that way. Normally, I would exhibit all of the forms of executive presence that I would teach to other people. But in this organization, I did not because I wasn't looking to promote <laughs> to anything else. And long story short, um, I had a female colleague who was unethical and lied on me. Uh, she made up all types of things. I am a documenter, which is what I teach people also. When my company wanted to let me go because I was the problem child, because I always challenged higher management for the things that they were not doing right or well, because I was not using executive presence. <laughs> um, they were definitely looking for a way to let go of me, but I was their top performer. I was number one in all of their metrics and skill sets. So there was no nothing to substantiate it. So mm -hmm. I said, hey, this is the service package I want. And thank you for ushering me into my destiny. So I left and started my own company. Wow. <laughs> Amazing. You know, I, I document too. It's, it is an important thing yes. to, uh, to do. I think you kind of learn after a while, you got to cover your own behind, yes. right? Absolutely. <laughs> so one of the, so I, I, I kind of find this interesting because I find, um, I don't think sometimes I, I kind of don't like to necessarily go down this path because I, I want, I always believe that there's a reason, but it doesn't mean it's an excuse. I feel like mm -hmm. my mom used to always say that kind of stuff to me. So I find that, um, I didn't have much in, in the way of like examples or leadership examples and things like that. I didn't really have it growing up. I definitely mm -hmm. didn't feel like I was taught that. Whereas I feel like my, ma my male counterparts were much more taught how to do that, how to lead, how to, do you find that to be the case that women sometimes struggle with it so much more? 
all the time and I call it the isms, right? So it okay. is men are trained to be leaders, take lead of the house, take lead of, you know, your team or your organization, be the visionary and so forth. And women are typically trained to be the supporters, be a really great mm-hmm. strong number two or, you know, a really great whatever the role is. And so literally the way that we are brought up starts to shape our thinking that this is the role we are supposed to play. So then we mm-hmm. make actions that way and we speak that way. Whereas men, they might have no skills, but they come in walking in like they can solve world's problem. But they have a different level of just confidence that gets them moving on and uh, promoted faster. They are they are deemed to, to be leaders even when they don't mm-hmm. have the skills just because of their presence. Yeah. Uh-huh. Well, I feel like for me, I had a, I had a kind of a my my mom was was the type of mom that was like you know you can be anything you want to be if you told me tomorrow that you were going to be president I believe you and I'd be your biggest champion like so I never had like doubt in that way but I feel like I would jump in and I'd be like I have no idea how to do this yeah, yeah. so like I I feel like I was like I can do this of course I can my mom says I can but then I'm like but now I don't know what I'm supposed to do and I I you know I I, I initially I sucked at being a manager. So do you find that there are people that people like that, that, I mean, I, I jumped in and I, no, maybe I was just an outlier. Well, I mean, there's a yes and, right? And so this is, this is why I focus on what executive presence is because, okay. and I know you've seen it, the lowest skilled person, the entry level person, the, you know, new age person when somebody else has been working for 10, 15 years gets promoted to whatever the role is, and now they're your boss, and you're like, what the, right? Like, I've been here however long, and I'm still not the choice. I'm still not tapped to, you know, come to the table. And I often find that it's never, or rarely, I won't say never, it's rarely that they don't have the skills to do the job. It is often that they don't have the ability to convey influence over other people which is what gets you moving. That's what I've always found. Every time I've had to coach a leader in any position, it was hardly ever the skill. Most of the time they have most of the skills. They didn't know how to show up and talk to people, how to sell whatever it is and convince people that their solution is right or their pathway is right or whatever it was. They just, they lacked the ability to influence others. Yeah, interesting. I, for, for me, I definitely feel like one of the things that was a problem is I lived in New York and that was kind of my, I was taught by managers and male managers and like the financial services world and they were just downright mean. Yeah. And I definitely had times where I would kind of have to go to the bathroom and cry kind of like, okay, okay, I can do it, you know? Um, and so I feel like when I stepped into a managerial position, I was mean because that's how I was taught. Yep. So I had to kind of change the way I thought about it. Um, and do you find that people are coming to you for that as well? Like, like they they may be in this position, but they're doing it essentially wrong. wrong. They're not yeah. getting people. It's, it's to- one of their fears with women. When I when we first start, I always ask like, what are the obstacles that you're going to face? Like, what are your fears? What are you afraid of? And it, it can run the gamut, right? Maybe an unsupportive spouse or, hmm. you know, fear of rejection once they get the role. But a lot of times women often say, I don't want to become the a-hole. I don't want to hmm. become like 
what it was for me. I want to be better and I don't know how to do that. Like I'm afraid to take this leap because I don't want to turn into them, right? That person. Mm -hmm. And so then we work through actions for not being that person, living your integrity and authenticity. Yeah. I feel like some people are much more open to this now than maybe 10 years ago. Do you think so as well? Oh, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I I have the blessing of having a really strong, great female mentor who said one statement to me and just it unclicked everything. Like all of the training that I'd had around leadership hadn't manifested until she told me, she said, there's one thing to get the job and there's another thing to keep the job. Mm. I was like, oh. I was like, what does that mean? And so when I dug deeper to talk to her about it, she says, listen, if people don't like you, literally, you'll be gone. I don't care how skilled yeah. you are. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, I was like, that's there. There's that influence thing again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, it's yeah, it's so crazy. Well, so you, uh, one of the things that you talk that you talk about is that um, women create their own glass ceiling. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Tell me about that. I believe that we create our own glass ceilings, one from what we were saying prior, just about how we think about situations. And that really is more um, socio about how we are raised and trained. But also Mm -hmm. when we accept that, we often take actions that create our own glass ceilings. I can use myself as the example. Uh, I had a set of really great friends. We were all in executive director positions. And now the vice president position was open and available. And Mm -hmm. we were also the minority African-Americans in the group. So we were really tight, had each other's backs, so on. And it was my idea to promote my male colleagues as the VP position and me come along as their really strong number two, knowing that I had all of the skills for the job, but that his voice would be more accepted than mine. I created my Mm. own glass ceiling in that way. And I've seen it multiple times where you think you're a pair or you think you're a group, but you put somebody else before and ahead of yourself. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I have not, I don't know that I've seen that. So that, you know, great for you to recognize that yep. and it, make a change. Because if you don't recognize the problem, then you can't change it. No, it took a, it yeah. took a friend who is actually a voice coach to highlight it for me. She doesn't mm-hmm. talk about voice from like the voice you hear. She talks about mm-hmm. voice from inner strength and inner being. And okay. as we were reflecting on it, I was like, oh my God, I would have never called myself like insecure or, you know, anything, not, not me, <laughs> like yeah. ever. But when she yeah. highlighted it and broke it down, I was like, I guess I did do that. I guess I did downplay and downgrade myself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Isn't it great to have friends like that? Yes, it is. Yes, it is. So it's so great. I like literally have had friends like that that kind of give me that have given me life advice while you're telling them a story or something, and they're like, mm-hmm. "Why did you do that?" I'm like, "What are you talking about?" And then they tell you something. Else. I never thought of it that way. Thank you. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And you, but you have to be receptive. With so many people aren't, which is kind of a kind of a shame. But yeah. well, so. I always like to to kind of give people three tips um, to kind of leave with. And um, I know that you talked about the importance of networking. And I 
I suck at networking. I really do. <laughs> and so when I saw that, I was like, oh, please, Brandy, give us some networking tips because I know that I need them. And I'm pretty sure there's somebody out there that does as well. So please tell us what are three tips that we can, that can help us with our networking skills? Yeah. Um, so I, I think what I would say, I don't know that I would like name it one, two, three, but kind of like the bucket would be when you think about the sphere of influence. So whatever your job or your role is, right? You land somewhere on the org chart. There mm -hmm. are peers that go in either direction of you in your same department and parallel departments. There are subordinates underneath you who support your work in your department and other departments. And then there are superiors, right, who mm -hmm. stay. That sphere around you should be your network. And those should be the people who you are building really strong relationships with so that they become ambassadors of you. It is again back mm -hmm. to that influence piece that each of the people within that sphere see exceptional value in you and the ability to influence others and the others, you know, bit of support and so forth, so that they then recommend you to the next person or sing your praises about something. You're invited to the next table. So I think when people think about networking, it's it's either the scary thing of going to some mixer and being, you know, super fake and handing your do people even have business cards anymore? I don't even know how people do that so. anymore. Yeah. yeah, I don't even know. Right. Yeah. Or the superficial going to the bar and, you know, type of thing. But the truth is the depth of networking is how you help other people within the job front and allow mm -hmm. them to grow with you because then they mm -hmm. see you as a leader. They see you as a supporter. They're willing to then say, yeah, Claire, absolutely. I follow her wherever she goes. We call it mm -hmm. the um, ambassador framework, right? So how a process for allowing people to then see you in that light. I think that would be the biggest just focus on networking that I would have for people. Okay. It's in because it, because I, I don't know that you would necessarily think about that. Yeah, as networking, you it's yep. just essentially kind of taking care of your group Fear. essentially group. yeah 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 right. interesting mm -hmm. i do i one one thing that i always thought that was i always just innately did and i remember i told my my stepdaughter this for the first job is like when you go into your your um your first job you find out essentially who the gatekeepers are so the the receptionist <laughs> the it person yeah not that you need to like suck up or whatever, but just, you know, they are like the ones that'll help you out of a jam. They're going to be there for you. Make sure, yeah, go and get them a coffee when you're getting a coffee. Just <laughs> the little things because no one, no one appreciates them. Right. So by the, by you being, no one appreciates them. Yeah. So yeah, I, I think, and then, yeah, th then when you're like, oh gosh, I don't know how this is going to happen. They're like, well, I'll stay late to help you out because you always help me out. Mm -hmm. And yeah. it doesn't need to be done in a selfish way, but you're just, yeah. I mean, no one takes care of the people that make your life easier. I can, uh, I'd love to tell you a quick little short um, example of that. It's actually with my mother, which is also how so much of this just transfers into my own life. Um, and I have like multiple client parallel examples, but I want to talk about my mom. So <laughs> uh, my mom was a janitor uh, my whole life. And uh, in the organization she worked in, she won employee of the month every month for two years, every month as the janitor. And it was her theory was when 
the people in the office come and walk in, I want them to know that somebody cares about their workspace, that their workspace is designed and ready for them to show up and be their best. And she would leave them a pot of coffee ready every morning, not in her job description, and she doesn't drink coffee. But that was what she would do for them. And every mm. month, and eventually, like, they had to make up new categories because it just wasn't fair. <laughs> like, yeah. recognize some other people too. But it speaks to not only your position, but people are people. Like, your title doesn't matter. Right? You respect yeah. people. And when you have a vision for your own excellence, you live out that excellence. And you make impacts to the larger organization, not just do your job. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Yeah, I I love that. That's amazing. Yeah. My mom my mom was a nurse and uh she always kind of had that same kind of thing. Everyone was always just like, Oh, Jenny's just so nice. Like she struggled very a long time when I was a kid before she kind of found her spot when I finally was in and um, went back to school uh-huh. and when I was in high school, kind of got her first nursing job and all of a sudden she kind of found her like her, like her space where she was meant to be to kind of help people. And yeah, she just was like where she kind of felt, um, needed and necessary. So yeah. Interesting. Yeah, absolutely. Um, those, those helpers in the world are, are always just, I love when they're, when they're kind of like, yay, you know, they're, they're given kind of a spotlight because yeah. sometimes the helpers are just st- stepped on. I, I think, I think it also just parallels to the networking piece because my mother knew everyone by first name, right? Like mm-hmm. granted, she started at like 4 a.m. And so she was only on site the first hour when everybody else got there and then her day was over, but like, everyone knew each other by first name. And so what? So when she was ready to leave being a janitor, I mean, without doubt, every person, the CEO, the the managers, the directors gave her glowing recommendations to recommend her to what she wanted to move on to. Of course, they were sad to leave her, but that's what it means to network and have people to be an ambassador of you. They see your leadership. Yeah, I think that that's a great example and thing something that somebody can learn from from your about your very first job that you may really hate. You think it's beneath you. You may think that you can do better things. Exactly. Um, my first job, I was a receptionist. Um, but crazy enough, the, the person who hired me got my next four jobs. Uh-huh. She was, it was, I was a receptionist, at the head of HR. I made such an impression on her. She got my next four jobs. Yeah. <laughs> what? Yeah. Crazy. Yep. It's just, so, you, so yeah, that I didn't, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I was just me, but I yeah. made an impression, but yeah, it's an interesting thing. Cause you don't really think about that. So sometimes you're just like, I don't like this job. I don't want to yeah. do it. Mm-hmm. I should be doing more than this and blah, blah, blah. But yeah, it did work. I saw it work for me. So, and it worked for your mom. It, it so works it for works. Everyone who's willing to take it on. <laughs> yeah. Amazing. All right. Like such a great example. I love that. I love that. Yeah. So I, 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 maybe we touched on this, but what is the biggest challenge that you see your clients, particularly the women, what is the biggest thing they're facing? The biggest challenge? Um, I think, I think I would say not knowing how others perceive them not knowing how they're seen in the workplace Mm -hmm. by that sphere that we were talking about. Um, One of the things that 
typically and kind of often uh, people overlook when they're looking to just excel in their careers. And it doesn't matter, again, what your title is, is their own personal branding. Uh, but I call mm-hmm. it leadership credibility. Um, and that is it's five areas. So it is their ability to cultivate their status and reputation, uh, projecting calm under pressure, possessing a compelling physical appearance. So that's not about like specifically what you wear, but that you are appropriate for the roles that you want, projecting Mm -hmm. confidence and then demonstrating their interpersonal integrity. And it is when there is a blind spot to any of those five areas, we as women assume that because we are natural multitaskers, because we naturally just can do a lot, that people will see the value in us and that mm-hmm. we don't have to do anything to actually say it, demonstrate it, right? Impact others with it. We assume we as women are great as we are, but it's not an assumption that everybody holds. We as women hold it for each other, but the rest right. of the world doesn't hold it for us. Well, so if you don't recognize those five things, what what can someone do to find out if there's something they're missing? Uh, there's there's two really easy things you can do. One, do a uh, personal self assessment. Like there's hordes of like free self assessments out there that you can take on it. But also get feedback from other people in your organization. So if your organization doesn't have a three sixty process, it's really easy to just ask people, "Hey, I'm looking on, you know, to work on X, Y, and Z, or I really want to move on to this next leap. What do you see are some really great assets or?" contributions that I can make and what are some things that you think I should work on and be open and receptive to that feedback and start working on them. I call it practice Mm -hmm. in public. Practice them, do them while you're in the role that you're in so that you're ready for the role that you want. Mm -hmm. Hmm. That's such great advice. I absolutely love it. Well, so now I want to talk about you specifically because you obviously kind of pivoted into your own thing. Yeah. So how have you built your kind of how have you built your reputation, your personal brand, and how is it how have you leveraged that to build this business? I would say two ways. Um, the first is I had a really great reputation um, in my uh, prior industry. So I was in education and. Uh, in my opinion, education and acting are the two fields that transfer to any other industry because it is the only industries where you can't fire the people and you have to influence others. And the outcome is about people. It's not a product. It's not a thing. So you have to have some really strong core values, interpersonal skills, extra personal skills, so forth. And so Mm -hmm. I had an exceptional reputation in there. And so I still have people who recommend me for a number of things, even things that I don't want to do, but they'll still be like, hey, Brandy, like something like, I don't want to do that. You can do everything. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But the other thing is when I started moving into the social media world, which is like totally brand new to me, and I have to be honest, I don't enjoy it. I don't like it at all. Um, I, I, I wanted to show who I was without being too personal, right? Like, I don't mm-hmm. want to show my children and like my husband and right. That's not, it doesn't align to why I do my work. And so when I really paused to think about that, it was, I, I wanted to be able to tell people kind of my core values through my life journey and how it now applies to how I show up in personal branding. And so mm-hmm. I do a whole segment every week 
connected to something of my why. Um, it might be about domestic violence, which is something in my past and how it relates to now. Um, women in my past who didn't foresee or live out their destiny, they chose other pathways with their deficit thinking, uh, impact from my grandfather and my mom, so on and so on. So I have really found a, a huge engagement around the posts that I do around that. And I get so many comments where people are like, oh my God, me too. I had the same experience. I never thought about it like that. So on and so on. Yeah, I, th I think that, that there's so many different ways that somebody can kind of share their why. Some people like yeah. their literal why is my family and my kids yeah. or something like that. And if I think that that is kind of, this should hopefully make people think, okay, so it doesn't have to be this like somebody else right um it can be sharing yeah your other experiences maybe and and another thing too is that sometimes if someone has a, a past you know traumatic event it doesn't mean you need to share that either if you don't feel comfortable right it, i think that yeah it, if you don't feel comfortable sharing your family experience you don't feel comfortable sharing uh, you know the domestic violence experience that you mentioned right. It doesn't mean that you have to because somebody else is having success with it. Find right. what's authentic with you. And I think Absolutely. that's that kind of the goal. Find out what authentically makes you connect with others. Uh-huh. Yeah, absolutely. Because yeah. I had lots of advice around do it this way, do it that way. And it didn't, it didn't feel good to me, right? Like I just, mm -hmm. as a mama bear, I was like, no, I'm not putting my children on social media. No. Yeah. It's like, but it's I don't mind talking about domestic violence because I know how it shows up in me today. And I know the mm -hmm. things I had to work through and strategies I had to put in place for myself in order to show up in this space this way. So yes, mm -hmm. I absolutely would love to share that because I know it will help other people. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So yeah, just be authentic to who you are. And I think pretty much if you can just really be authentic and tap into who you are and be okay with that, mm -hmm. I think that your personal brand, yeah, it'll, it'll shine through because the, the people that are attracted to that will come to you because Absolutely. you speak their language. Absolutely. Yeah. I Absolutely. love that. This has been such a fun conversation. I just, really? I feel like I've learned just so many things and I, I, I learned a different kind of way of looking at networking. So thank you for that. That I, I love that idea. And I, yeah, so I definitely think that, that that's something that hopefully everybody is going to put into place. Mm -hmm. Um, so how can people connect with you after after listening to this? How Where can people find you? Definitely you can find me on LinkedIn at Brandy P. Sheffield. Uh, and we are going to be doing an upcoming event on March 29th, teaching all about accelerating your career through executive presence and leadership. So we would love to invite everyone and anyone who would love to uh, join and participate. Amazing. Well, yeah. thank you so much for being here. And thank you, everyone, for listening. And I will see you in the next episode. Bye.